Welcome to the Authentic Church Podcast with Jeff and Fawn Peterson in Orange County, California, where our mission is simply to love God, love people, and live authentic. For more information on Authentic Church, visit us online at AuthenticOC.com. Thank you for listening. It is an honor to share Christmas with your family. Uh, Many of you know uh, we moved here two years ago and we didn't really know anybody, and then we convinced some of our best friends to move with us, and so they showed up, which was cool. Um, but you guys have really become like family to us, so there's no better place that we'd rather be than here together as a, the family of God, worshiping the Savior, the King of Kings, and the Lord of Lords. And, you know, his birth, the birth of Jesus, is the most talked about birth in the world. There's been a lot of incredible people that have been born and done some pretty incredible things. Uh, But nobody's life even comes close to comparing and making the impact that Jesus made. And God didn't send his son to the earth to just start like a new religion uh, or to be a good luck charm or a keychain. God sent his son as a sacrifice for all of us. And uh, both sacred and secular historians of like, they all agree that there was a man named Jesus who was born in Bethlehem that grew up uh, in an area called Nazareth ministered most of his life in a region of Galilee and from time to time he would head to Jerusalem and then he head back to Galilee and he had a, a public ministry for about three and a half years and then at the end of that he was part of the triumphal entry as they came in to celebrate Passover one of the main Jewish feasts he came and they didn't realize that this would be the last time that Passover would look the way that it looked that he would come as the Passover lamb and freely lay down his life and take on him sin and take a punishment he didn't deserve to give you and I a life and an eternity that if we're honest we don't deserve and there's no one that's made a greater impact in this world than the life of Jesus and 2,000 years ago that baby was born and 2,000 years later there's still people being born again into the family line and you think about it his birth was so significant that they split time and started they started counting the calendar based on his life right BC was before Christ and AD was Anno Domini um, some people think it's after death it's it's not um, it's it's an old uh, Latin saying Anno Domini which means in the year of our Lord And so his life literally split that. There's been a lot of great people that lived before him and a lot of people after him, but nobody do we measure time by than by the life of Jesus Christ. It's pretty significant. And there's over 300 prophecies about him. Prophecies uh, years before, like Megan uh, read tonight out of Isaiah 9-6, the the classic Christmas card uh, scripture, right? For unto us a child is born, right? And and that that passage, the writer of that is a guy named Isaiah, and he was a, a prophet in his day, and he wrote this and got a glimpse into the future and wrote down a bunch of prophecies pertaining to the coming Messiah, and it was 700 years before Jesus' birth, and he fulfilled them. 
He fulfilled the prophecy that said he'd be born of a virgin, that he would be born in Bethlehem. He fulfilled the prophecy that uh, he would spend some time in Egypt. He fulfilled the prophecy that he would head up to Nazareth. He fulfilled the prophecy that he would be betrayed for 30 pieces of silver. That was a prophecy hundreds of years before Jesus was born. And he was betrayed by Judas, not for 29 pieces, not for 31 pieces. He was betrayed for 30 pieces. All these different prophecies, you combine them, you put together, it's, it's, it's so unlikely that our brains can't even compute the mathematical equation of, of the probability of him fulfilling all the prophecies that he did. And so they are the original royal family, and it's my honor tonight uh, to read the Christmas story. And so if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Luke chapter 2. If you don't have your Bible, or you don't even know who Luke was, no worries. We got you covered, man. Um, we got a big Bible on the screen. Well, we're going to go through. Luke chapter 2, it says this. And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. And I just want to pause for a moment. Some people say, you know, did, was Jesus born on December 25th? And I just want to let you know. Uh, he, he was not. Uh, it's highly unlikely that he was born on a cold winter night in December. It's more likely, more probable, that he was born in one of the fall feasts that happened. One of the reasons that we know that that would have been it, because if you were the government and you wanted to get the most taxes out of your people, would you ta tax them when they just got paid or when you tax them when they're flat broke and they're hoping to make it into the harvest season? No. You tax them right when they got paid, right? So they, get, they have the harvest the season and we enter the fall festivals, the Jewish feasts, and Jesus would have been born about that time. All right, so this census first took place while Quirinius was governing Syria. So all went to be registered. Everyone went to his own city. And that's how they did it back then. It's like, what's, your, what's the, 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 the lineage of your, your town? Oh, you're from this area? You're going to go there. You're from Bethlehem? You're going to go here. So Joseph went up from Galilee. And by the way, some people read that and they say, Joseph went up from Galilee. And if you've ever been to Israel, Galilee is actually north of Jerusalem. But any time in the Bible, no matter where you were, if you were going to Jerusalem, you were going up to Jerusalem, the holy city. So all went to be registered. Everyone does no town. Jo Joseph went up from Galilee, verse 4, out of the city of Nazareth into Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem. Because he was of the house and the lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. So it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. The time had come for baby Jesus to be born. And by the way, if any of you moms and dads in the room, if you're holding a baby, I don't mind at all if they cry. I got five kids, two grandbabies. It will not throw off the night. It adds to the night. So I have no problem if they let out a big yell or what have you. From the mouths of babes, God has ordained praise. So let them praise. That's all right. Verse 6, so it was while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. Verse 7, and she brought forth her firstborn son. Her firstborn, Jesus had brothers, etc., but this was the first. So she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger. Because there was no room for them in the inn. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord 
stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all the people. Can we just say that? Good tidings of great joy. It's great joy. If you're not joyous at the birth of your Savior, I would encourage you to check your pulse and check your Bible. You might be off on your theology. Joyous. They were joyous. So the angel says, don't be afraid. I bring you good tidings of great joy for all the people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. And so it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, Let us now go to Bethlehem. Let us, I want to see these things that have come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste. That was, that's, that's proper English for they hurried, they ran, they went fast, right? And they found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. Now when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all those who heard it, all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told by them, the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told them. You read the Christmas story, and I don't know about you in your house, but Christmas morning comes and there's an explosion of presents in my house and under the tree, and, and you know kids are all excited, and, and we're those parents that are super mean. We make our kids sit down and wait, and then, and then we, we actually read the Christmas story to them. And we just want to remind them the reason for the season, that the greatest gift you've ever received isn't a gift that's going to be under the tree. It's the gift of our Savior. So we read the Christmas story together, and then we dive into it. And, and throughout the house, you know, we have different ornaments and knickknacks and things that have been passed down through generations and, and things that we collect. And, and I don't know about you, but most houses uh, have a bit of a nativity scene. And uh, this year, uh, I, I took my, my boys, I took them out to a live nativity scene that some friends of ours at a church in town put on. And it's really cool. You go there and it's immersive, you know, and you have, you know, the, the, the husband and wife and then you have the baby uh, the, and they just look for who's the youngest kid in the congregation, okay, you, you're going to be a baby, and so, and then they have some guys dressed as wise men, and then, and then this place, man, they brought like camels, real camels, and they're honoring, totally honoring and mean, and so you have to be back, stand back and stay clear of them, and, and it was just a really, really cool experience, but you know, that, that nativity, this nativity, it, it doesn't make sense if it's not in the right order. And, you know, for some of you right now, <laughs> this season is joyous, but man, there's stuff everywhere. There's boxes everywhere, there's wrapping paper everywhere, and as much as you love Christmas, you're looking forward to it being cleaned up, you know, you're probably, and you know, anybody in here that is like, everything has to have a place, and, and, and maybe I'm the only one, and so everything has to have a place, right? I'm like, I get a little OCD, it's like, okay, what are we doing here? What's happening over here with all this stuff? And my wife's like, honey, calm down. It's actually like this every day before you come home from work. You're just home from work more. <laughs> 
But if, if, things, if, if things aren't in the right place, it just doesn't work. And, it, and at times when you read the Christmas story, like I heard one guy say, he says, it was like 99% chaos, man. Like, it's chaos. Like, here's Mary and Joseph, and, and, you know, she's about to, I mean, mind you, she's probably just getting over the whispers, the looks, the conversations behind her back, the shame that's been associated with her being pregnant, and, and, uh, and, and her husband, and he's wondering, I mean, there's a lot of things that had occurred over those nine months. And then the topper, hey guys, you got to take a four-day road trip down to Bethlehem. And it's like, my, wife, my wife's pregnant, man. Like, can we do this another time? No, you can't. You got to go now. And so they, they, they pack up and they leave. And it's, it's a 40, it's 90 miles from the area where they were. And she's nine months pregnant. Any pregnant ladies or women that have been pregnant, would you want to do a road trip on a donkey or a horse or walking for four days in your ninth month? Right? I mean, it's like... Good night, man. Give me a break, right? And so they travel, and, and, and they get there late, and there's no place for them to stay, right? And, and it's really, it's Mary's fault, because she just couldn't go any faster. And so, man, I know if you were late here tonight, we know. We, we know why you're late. You don't even have to say that it, it might have been the women in your life. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Just lost half of the room. And so, uh, so the, the nativity doesn't work right unless it's in the right place. And so we got the nativity scene here, and we have, you know, in the nativity scene, um, we talked about it last week. We talked about the wise men, and the, we don't know in the, in the, and I don't want to ruin your nativity scenes for all of you people who weren't here last week, but there's nowhere in the Bible that says there was three wise men. And actually, tradition would say that there was probably more like 20 of them because they would travel in large, kind of like, they, they, they had a posse, man. And so usually they would travel with a bunch of different people, and, and, uh, and so the wise men come and they come bearing gold, frankincense, and myrrh. One thing that's notable, remember the wise men when they came and they were waiting to go and worship the king. And they go in and they, they meet with King Herod and Herod says, hey, he tries to trick him. He says, when you guys find out where that baby is, come back and let me know so I can come and worship him as well. When what really what Herod wanted to do was go kill Jesus. And, and, and it says that God divinely warned them in a dream. But before they worshipped and gave extravagantly, they had to go to other people to find out what the Bible said. But after they worshipped and after they gave extravagantly, they access something in, in heaven and God divinely warns them, speaks to them personally in a dream. If you want God to speak to you personally... Be an extravagant giver and an extravagant worshiper. So there's so the wise men, and so we have them, and, and then we have, um, we have the shepherds. The shepherds were, you know, they were keeping watch over their flocks. Now, an interesting fact about the shepherds, that area of Bethlehem, that area where they would have watched over those flocks, those flocks weren't just any other flocks. They weren't just any other sheep. They were actually very special sheep, and they, those, the sheep in Bethlehem were the ones that you would go and purchase for Passover when you would need a lamb to slaughter to be the Passover lamb for the forgiveness of your sins for your family. You would go to those shepherds. And the angels appear, of all shepherds, appear to those shepherds watching over those flocks, over those Passover lambs, not realizing that they're getting news about the Passover lamb 
and that they're going to be out of a job. <laughs> so the shepherds are watching over the Passover lambs. And you have the angels, obviously, and then you have, I don't know if these were at the manger scene, but you have some cows, sheep, goats, a donkey, can't, yeah, those guys. And then, of course, you have the royal family, and the star of the show is Jesus. Nailed it. So proud of you, Anna. So Jesus is, is uh, it's always the right answer in church. So the right answer is either Jesus or Mary. It's like, which Mary? I don't know, Mary. You know, it's like, you know, they're, they're, those are the common names. And so you, you have the nativity scene, but it doesn't, it doesn't work right if it's not placed right. If you have these guys in the center, it, it just doesn't, it's like something's wrong with that guy's nativity scene. Right? We need to put this guy back over here, and we need to put Jesus back in the center. And my question to you tonight is not is the nativity scene set up properly on the table, but is the nativity scene set up properly in your heart? You're like, Jesus doesn't want to be a piece of your life, just over here on the side. Like, he wants to be in the center of your life. When he's in the center of your life, well, then that makes sense. When he's in the center of the nativity scene, the nativity scene makes sense. When he's not in the center, you kind of go, something's missing. And that's the reality with human beings. All of us, something's, something's missing. And that something is not something, it's someone, and his name is Jesus. Like he, like he really wants to have a relationship with you. So for the sake of tonight, I'm going to use this kind of as an illustration, but these different elements, uh, these different uh, kind of pieces of the story, if you will, uh, are going to just serve as a visual aid. And I just want to ask you, is there something that's taken the place of Jesus in the center of your life? And maybe the stresses, the frustrations in life, uh, the angst, the anger, hurt, resent, is it because that maybe some things just are not placed right? If they're not placed right in your life, then life won't work right. And so the shepherds tonight, for the sake of this illustration, they're going to, they're going to represent uh, your work, your vocation, or for you students, it's going to represent your schooling, okay? So the shepherds represent that. They were out there working late. They were pulling an all-nighter, man. And, uh, you know, sometimes our work can take center stage in our life. And we don't, we don't really design for it to be that way. We don't set out being like, I'm just going to be like sold out for the job or what have you. But kind of through a course of time and a few habits or decisions here and there, suddenly work is everything. And you're home, but you're not really home because you can't unplug because you're so focused on work. Now, hear me, God wants you to be blessed. He, he actually wants you to have a job or to have a business. He wants you, he takes delight in providing and, and working with you. And he, he wants to see you blessed and prosperous at your job, but not at the expense of your soul. He takes first place. So the shepherds and the work we do, is that taking first place? The wise men, for the sake of the illustration tonight, they're going to represent finances, stuff, things, right? And there's nothing wrong with things, by the way. I'm not down on things. Uh, I, but but I, am, I am in alignment with God's word where God doesn't matter if you have stuff as long as that stuff doesn't have you. 
as long as you don't view it as it's your stuff. Like, be open-handed. Be, be a generous. Be, be, be a generous person. Be a good steward with what he's given you. But if all you're consumed with is your finances and the portfolio and the checking account and this, that, and the other, it's like, man, when that stuff starts taking first place, then you begin to think, oh, he's my provider. That, that company's my provider. The job that I have or the career path, or, that's my provider. Not Jesus. And God is the ultimate provider. And could it be if you're feeling that angst financially and you're just feeling like, man, I just can't get ahead? Not that God doesn't want to bless you. He wants to bless you. His word is really, really clear on that. But maybe, just maybe, it's just a little bit out of balance and not in the right order. So you have the wise man, and maybe it's not your vocation, or maybe it's not your finances. Maybe it's going to, and for the sake of the illustration tonight, the animals, they're going to be our distractions. <laughs> maybe it's a distraction, right? My wife and I, before we moved, we moved here from Texas two years ago because life was just too easy, I guess. And so we planted Authentic Church in the middle of the pandemic. Uh, and so uh, but before we moved, um, we, uh, we, we, we lived uh, in Texas, and we had an acre of land, and we had 17 chickens. It was crazy. And we had a pig and, uh, and a dog. And, and by the way, pigs are smarter than dogs. At least the, the pig was smarter than my dog. And the, the, you could, we like house trained this pig. Mr. Tumnus was his name. And he now lives, uh, believe it or not, on a pig reserve farm in Texas. It's, it's a really cool story. But anyways, these animals, as fun as it was, as cool as it sounds to like have all these animals, I'm telling you, man, it was a lot of work. And at times, it was kind of a distraction. And, and maybe it's not animal. Maybe it is animals. Maybe you're like, yeah, man, I can't wait to get rid of my dogs, my cat, my bird, blah, 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 whatever. Maybe, maybe you do have physical animals that are a distraction, but maybe it's something else. Maybe it's the sports. Maybe it's the hobby. Maybe it's politics. Man, the last few years, I'm like, I, I don't even care if I hear another political engagement, see another political post, I feel just kind of run out on all that stuff. Can anybody agree with me, right? Maybe that stuff is in the forefront of your mind. You know, maybe it's the economy and what's going on in the news and what have you. And not that God doesn't want you to be informed, but let's be honest, none of us were created to know everything about everyone in every state of the country and, and the state of our world are like that. Right? That's just too much for us to know. Back in the day, man, when, when the decree went out, it took months for that word to get out that they needed to go, right? Now when something hits the news like we have it, it blows up on our phone and it gets tagged in the memes and blah, 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 blah. You know, it just comes at you. You don't even have to go looking for it. And if we're not careful, then those distractions can take center place in our lives. Next up we have the royal family. And, uh, and this, they represent family. Did you guess it? They represent family. Family's great. And it sounds awesome, right? We say family first, right? Sounds great, awesome. But not at the expense of your relationship with Christ. It, he wants you to be blessed. He wants you to have an amazing family. He wants your marriage to be blessed. But it doesn't work right if it's not placed right. And um, for you married people in the room, uh, your husband is not your source, ladies. He can't be your source. Jesus is your source. If your husband's your source, he's going to let you down. 
and he has, and he will, and he will again, okay? And for you husbands, your wife is not your source. She can't be your source. If she's your source, then that means Jesus isn't. And if your joy is measured by your relationships with friends or family or you're dating somebody or romantic interests or what have you, and when they let you down, it's devastating in your heart, just posing the question, have they taken first place in your life? Again, God wants to bless you. He wants your family. You're going to see, a lot of us are going to see our families over the next few days. And for some of us, that can be really stressful, <laughs> right? It can be really hurtful. It brings up things in the past. God wants to heal you of those hurts. He doesn't want that relationship to rob you of the joy that comes through letting go and that peace that happens with forgiveness. He wants to be in first place. And then lastly, we have the angel. And thinking through this tonight, the angel, the angel represents religion. And let me just unpack that for a second. Uh, I, used, I used to think that it was hard to spot religious people, but now I found it's actually pretty easy. The religious people are the ones that demand a lot of grace from you, but they won't give it to you. Religious people are the ones that are so focused on the works, and I got to do this, and I got to get these steps done, and if I don't do it, I beat myself up because I failed. And if I failed, it's not just I made a mistake, it becomes a, a pattern where your vo the voice in your head is, I'm a failure. And I'll be honest with you and transparent as a recovering Catholic today, that's been the one that I've probably struggled with throughout my life the most had to outwork my wrongs, how to outdo the competition, had to be better than that other person, had to have the nicer thing or whatever it might be. And it really comes down to religion because if you can take credit for it, then you're not walking in the grace. If you're not walking in the grace of God, then Jesus isn't in first place. You're the star of your show. And it, at some point you're going to burn out because you weren't, carry, you weren't designed to carry that weight. So what is it tonight for you? If you can put yourself into the scene here, is, is Jesus truly at the center or has, you know what, as great as my family is, you know, I've, I've actually made my focus all about my kids. Like my, my whole life is wrapped up in my, my kids and I don't really have an identity outside of that. That's okay. The Lord wants to write that tonight. Maybe it's your job. You're just like, man, I'm, all I'm focusing about is this job or this business or what I've got to do. And it's the first thing you wake up with. It's the last thing you think about at night. It keeps you up at 2 o'clock in the morning. You're thinking about job or promotion or i got to get here or position myself there. God wants to bless you, but it doesn't work right if he's not in first place. Maybe it's the stuff chasing after the wind and different things and you say you know what this Christmas maybe we went a little bit overboard spent a little bit more than was probably smart to do with our finances that's okay God wants to heal that he wants to wash that clean he wants to help you and give you wisdom in your finances but it doesn't work right unless it's placed right 
But man, when it gets placed right, when Jesus is at the center of your life, things just start to come together. When Jesus is at the center, man, you know what? You're an awesome steward, and you know that the Lord promotes you, and you work, and your job is unto the Lord, and it's amazing what he does with that. When, when Jesus is at the center of your life, man, family makes sense. It is fruitful. It's beautiful. The marriage works because he's pursuing Jesus, and she's pursuing Jesus. The family's pursuing Jesus, and because Jesus is at the center, forgiveness and love and healing ensues. And man, you're, you're, the stuff that's out there, because it doesn't hold on to you, because you find purpose in being generous and a good steward, when Jesus is at the center, all the stuff that God has blessed you with suddenly takes on new life and new purpose. When Jesus is at the center. But when he's not at the center, we have a bit of a problem. We have what's called a sin problem. You said maybe saying, Pastor Jeff, could you be more positive? Yeah, I'm positive we all have a sin problem, okay? <laughs> Humanity has a sin problem. Like there, there's a chasm between the holy God and us, okay? I don't care how good you is. He is a holy God. And the only way to have a right relationship with that holy God is through Jesus. John 3.16 says this, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Romans 3.23 For everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's, God's glorious standard. Romans 6.23, the wages of sin, it's death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. So we have this sin chasm, and how, how, how do you make that right? How, how do you right those wrongs? You can't. Only Jesus can. So what do you do? Romans 10.9, you openly declare that Jesus is Lord. You believe in your heart God raised him from the dead, and if you do that, the Bible says you'll be saved. Another, another, another word for that is you would be known, you would be born again. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God, and it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. And then Romans 10, 13, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And I pray you have the most amazing Christmas. But just as the nativity story doesn't work right if Jesus is in that the center, your life won't work right if Jesus is not at the center. And 2,000 years ago, in a shepherd's field, the angels appeared and they gave this word to these shepherds. But they, on their own volition, had to go and go and pursue Jesus. Tonight I did my best to present to you the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, his birth. He really was born. He really lived. He really died. And after his death, he really rose from the grave. In fact, over 500 eyewitnesses said, we saw him. Not just 500 eyewitnesses that barely knew him. His own family said, yep, he's, he's the Christ. In fact, I'm going to give my life to pursuing it. How many know? I mean, if your brother walks in and says that he is the way, the truth, and the life, you're going to be like, he's crazy. Get Put him in a mental institution. I don't know about your brother, but my brother's not that good. But these brothers of, of Jesus, they were like, yep, he actually, he did not sin. Yep, that's it. And his brothers actually went in to write two of the, the main books we read, the book of James. Right? In the book of Jude, there were his brothers. And they were leaders in the early church. If you can convince your family, 
it's worth taking a look at. It's worth thinking about. And so my question tonight as we close is, where's Jesus in your nativity story? Again, not the nativity on the table, but the nativity in your heart. Is he the center? And if he's not the center, well, good news. Tonight, God had this on his calendar long before you did. And he brought you here for a moment where you could encounter him. Jesus didn't come to bring some religion, some other belief system, throw up a hope and a prayer, I'm going through a rough time, Jesus help me. No, no, no. He wants to be Savior, Lord, King, Friend, Counselor. He wants to be in the center of your life. So I want to invite the worship team to join me up front. And in a moment, we're going we're gonna to light these beautiful candles that you all had. And I just want to reiterate this thought to you. And that is, you're here tonight for a reason and a purpose. And life is short. And eternity is real. And your decision to follow Christ or to deny Christ carries massive weight. Massive weight. If you have questions, welcome to the club, man. Nobody has all the answers. Complete. We're all learning. All of us are part of a work in progress. We're all part of a journey. But go get your questions answered. I beg you. Get your questions answered. If you have questions about things or you have doubts or how does this measure up, ask those questions. God's not afraid of your questions. Christianity's not a faith where you check your brain at the door, right? If you have questions, go get them answered. And I think you're going to find what many of us in this room have found. The more that we follow those breadcrumbs, it led us right to the reality that it's true. And man, he paid the price so that I don't have to and I can be free of all sin and I can have eternal life. So why don't we just all stand together tonight and I'm going to pray and I'm going to lead you in the greatest prayer that you've ever prayed if you've never prayed it. <laughs> but this prayer, it's an invitation. Just like the shepherds got an invitation from the angels, God is giving you an invitation tonight to come close to him, to draw near unto him. And the prayer is just simply like we just read in, in the, the Apostle Paul wrote, this, if you openly declare that Jesus Christ is Lord, you're going to be saved. It's like, is it really that easy? Yes, it's actually that easy. You simply pray. It's like, man, I, I believe. And if you don't believe, be honest. I don't believe. Lord, help my unbelief. I want to believe. I want to believe. And so I'm just going to pray this prayer. Sort of like if you go to a wedding, there's the, the bride and the groom, and the officiant stands up front, and he kind of facilitates a vow uh, as they come together. I, I'm going to kind of facilitate that for you and a holy God who wants to know you. He already knows you. He wants you to know him. So just pray this prayer after me. If you would like to give your life to Christ tonight, if you would like to believe in the Lord, say, Jesus, forgive me of my sins. I believe that you're the Son of God. again. And so today, I openly declare that you are my Lord and Savior. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for washing me clean. Thank you for giving me everlasting life. And now, Holy Spirit, help me 
to live for Jesus for the rest of my life. Amen. Amen. For more information on Authentic Church, visit us online at AuthenticOC.com.